here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Drop Zone. I am Sean Zock. He is Dylan chair, As always, your two favorite co-hosts, your only co-hosts on this podcast. Dylan, happy Sunday evening. My biggest story of the week is PGA Tour pros being upset about the golf courses they are playing on. Not just PGA Tour, but European Tour pros too, Sean. Uh, we'll get into that. My biggest story this week, LPGA Tour pros will still kick your ass. Um, you know, we knew that before. We've got some solid evidence, though, coming out of this week, and I'm excited to share that with our listeners. All right. Well, we will get to that first. John Rahm gave us the best social clip, potentially, that we've seen in 2022. Uh, he was walking, uh, I guess, between holes from one green to a tee box at the... Uh, I don't even know what course exactly he was playing. I don't think he was playing PGA West, but at the American Express. And he was caught on camera saying, quote, Piece of set up putting contest week. I'll say those eight words again. Piece of set up putting contest week. That'll be a fun little uh, bleep out for our producer to handle. Shout out, Connor. Basically, basically John Rahm was very upset. Um at the setup of the American Express. Now, <clears throat> firstly, I wonder if he was being recorded because he kind of was walking for a way for a ways and then like said it very clearly right next to the person who was holding up their camera recording him. Um, that would be a little bit of like a, a tinfoil hat take. Is that uh, is that John Rom's trying to let people know how upset he is about the setup, so he says it while someone's recording him. Um, but. What does he mean exactly is kind of what I want to get into. I think he means that, well, when he says putting contest, he basically means nothing matters from tee to green. All that matters is if you make more 15 to 25 to 35 foot putts than the rest of the field. Uh, I think it's a, it's a tricky thing to understand because for us amateurs, we, we have a hard time from tee to green, mm-hmm. but I think professional golfers, in particular the best golfer in, on the planet, he, he doesn't have a whole lot of difficulty on courses like this where you can kind of spray it everywhere. The rough is not penal. The course is not firm. The greens are not firm. The greens are not tricky. He doesn't like that there is a, a, what seems to be an immense amount of luck involved. Do you give him credit when you watch that tournament this week and do you credit his point, basically? Do you think it is a putting contest, what happens there in the Quinta? I mean, to some extent, yeah. I would say that any... I will listen to any criticism of the American Express <laughs> because I watched a significant amount of the American Express. Uh, I watched some early round stuff. The ESPN Plus coverage is very promising so far. I'm excited about uh, all the streaming possibilities here. But... It's hard to keep track of, man. Besides the, you know, you got the 17th hole is a part of three with the water. But, man, yeah, that's it. <laughs> can you distinguish much about these golf courses, especially when you have three of them and you've got players all over the place? And I do love that we have now access to some of the other courses and some streams. But 
Uh, you know, it just all results in us only sort of learning where these guys are, what they're doing. They'll hit tee shots offline. It doesn't seem to matter, uh, you know, unless it's in the matter. water or directly behind a tree. You're all good. Even if you are behind a tree, you know, maybe you get relief anyway. So, yeah, I think that he's got a pretty fair point. I think that you could make this argument about a number of uh, less imaginative PGA Tour setups. I think the reason that he got traction unintentionally on social media is because people do feel this way. Um, people, people do think, you know, the tour setups are unimaginative. There's reasons that, you know, the, the weeks that things are special, uh, when it's firm and fast, when it's the open championship, when it's us open, when they go to Riv, uh, people really respond well to that because the golf is more interesting. Uh, I mean, I think what we'll get to shortly is, is something that happened over in Abu Dhabi and you could debate the merits of that course, but it's, it's definitely interesting and the weather conditions made it interesting too. So yeah, people like variety, the best pros, the best player in the world probably wants things pretty difficult so that he can separate himself. And in that way, I think fair take. Yeah. And, uh, that is an important part here. John Rahm, without a doubt, the best golfer on the planet, John Rahm, a player that in his career has benefited from Win or who has has shown him, himself to be so brilliant at tough setups at major championships. He is a top ten fiend at this point. He's only won once, but he tends to play well when courses are tough. He's won the Irish Open. He's won the Spanish Open. He's won uh, all kinds of events that like like he won here in Chicago when Memorial got ago. really hard. He when, won when Memorial got really hard as well. The BMW when it was super tough in Chicago. He wins these tough events. It's the cream rises to the top theory. Um, but I want to discuss one thing that uh, I guess we have a little intel that kind of proves maybe his point is that <clears throat> the PGA Tour every month sends out a newsletter to its members. Basically, it's a little bit of an idea of like, hey, here's what's going on. Here's you know what the PGA Tour Wives Association is up to. Mm -hmm. Here's what the tournaments that we're hosting in the next month. And every one of those newsletters, they give a preview of like, here's how the Amex is going to play. Here are what we expect the conditions to be like. Here's what's changed about the golf course, all that stuff. And if you just look at the American Express setup, and then you pivot forward and you look at what they wrote out to be Tory Pine setup this coming week. There's a there's a significant difference. So the Amex has three courses, and they want all of those courses to be stimping. They want the stimp meter on these on these greens to run at 11. Now, that's about as low as it really gets for PGA Tour setups. Uh, you really will not see any any greens stimping less than 11, and if you do, that would be yeah. I think odd. when they go to Mexico or a couple of those, you know, Bermuda, there's some there's some exceptions, but in general, when you're talking about really well conditioned courses, which these are, yeah, 11s, yeah. it's not going to get too much slower this day and age. Uh, and so the rough at the courses this week, one of the courses, the rough is cut down to 1.25 inches, like. Just just hold that difference up in your finger, and it's nothing. <laughs> that is the first cut at Augusta. That's the toughest the rough gets at one of the courses this week. The rest that's like your beard there, Sean. Yeah. What, like, what do you think you're stimping over there? Yeah, my chin is <laughs> is definitely stimping. <laughs> it definitely has grown out to be a half inch at this point. Um, 
So the rough is pretty short. Um, it's two inches at, at, at the other two courses. Um, but you compare that to Torrey Pines, the greens at Torrey, they want to be stimping at 12 and a half, which is definitely like, wow. definitely, you know, it's only 14% faster. Um, and it's, I would, con- I wouldn't consider Torrey not even to be that fast. Um, you know, the Arnold. No, Palmer. I mean, those are bumpy <laughs> greens. It's like hard to really jam those greens yeah. to the, you know, turn it up to a le- or I guess literally turn it up to 12 and a half in this case. Yeah. Yeah. That's difficult to do. So, and then the rough at Torrey at the very least will be three inches, maybe three and a half inches if they're allowing it to be really thick uh, or long. And so the rough next week will literally be twice as long at the entire term of the entire week. Um, and the fairways, at least on that setup report, are expect like they're literally indicated that they are supposed to play as firm as possible. So it will be up to the grounds crew to decide what that means. But basically, you're talking about just two different tournaments that have decided to set their courses up in completely different ways. In in that like mindset, there's a little bit of like, hey, John Rom, like we told you, like you also <laughs> you, you don't have to come here. We want you yeah. here. Where you're the best player on the planet. But like none of this should totally be a surprise to him. It it's a shame that like it gets to this point where uh, where it feels like luck is is supremely involved. Um, but you know the tour warns people of this, and this is what they're cool with. They're cool with the scores getting up to 22, 23 under. Um, it's the beginning part of the season. This is not like a a core event. Maybe between like the PGA and the U.S. Open, it's still kind of like the warm up time of year especially for people who didn't go to Hawaii. So it's kind of like we get it, I think, with John Rahm. But on the other hand, uh, I'm with you. I'd like to see things change, especially at this event, because, gosh, just a bunch of seemingly average dudes win. Um, average dudes not named John Rahm, who won it a couple years ago. It's funny. It really echoed some comments from – do you know what I'm going to say? Hmm. No. <laughs> Rory McIlroy in 2019 when he went over and uh, and played the Alfred Dunhill Lynx. Mm. September 2019, he shot 70-66, uh, 70-67, finished T26. And uh, the, the press asked him, you know, what he thought of the week. And he said, I'm honestly sick of coming back over to the European Tour, shooting 15 under par and finishing T26. I don't think the courses are set up hard enough. There's no penalties for bad shots. It's tough when you come back when it's like that. I don't feel like good golf is regarded as well as it could be. Anyway, really similar line of thinking. But I think that that take is the less common one. And and for a course or a tournament to decide, oh, we're going to lean the other direction and risk pissing pros off if you're thinking about the the risk reward, the kind of game theory of it all, there's not much of it's not much incentive for them to really do that. I think it makes for good viewing. Yeah. But I mean, it's just such a cozy world where they really want to please the pros. They want the pros to come back. You see how pros react when the USGA takes things up to the edge. Um, there's a major risk of backlash if you make these guys look stupid. So the incentives just get a little bit weird, which is why I think this happens. Yeah. Life is just like harder <laughs> when you make it harder on these guys. And granted, like, 
I don't want my job to get any harder than it already is. I don't think you want your job to get any more <laughs> difficult than it already is. Uh, what would be an example of something that would make your job a little bit harder? <sighs> What's the equivalent here? <laughs> Having to write a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Hoping, bosses, don't listen to this part. Hang uh, on. But Let's move on. What was interesting about Rom is that... Uh, well, one, it wasn't uttered in a press conference. It was uttered on the golf course. And in a way, uh, it was just another pro complaining about setup when Tyrrell Hatton was complaining about the setup over uh, in Abu Dhabi, as you said. Now, that that would be the second part of pros complaining about tour setups this mm-hmm. week. Hatton basically said <clears throat> that the 18th hole at Yas Links, Yas Links, I don't know how, I don't know another way to pronounce it, but it makes me think of Julia yes, Course yes, for the modern era. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, links. Uh, he said that the 18th hole sucks. He wants a bomb dropped on the hole. That is his words, not mine, truly. Uh, he thinks it should be extinguished and definitely redesigned. Uh, let's break that down. So it's a 646-yard par 5, which is a long hole, right? Yeah, <laughs> that is a long golf hole. Basically, what what Tiro Hatton dealt with is that he thought he hit a good drive. He he thought he hit a good tee shot on Sunday, um, and he could not reach the green in two. And his take is that all par fives should be reachable in two after a good drive for professional golfers. Mm-hmm. This is a I'm like really on the fence about this, and I don't. Like, I don't normally sit on the fence. Uh, I, I think I try to normally push us off the fence, and maybe you can help me. But basically, Tyrrell Hatton, the reason I'm on the fence is because, one, this is uh, extremely anecdotal. I don't know how many players did go for it in two, and Tyrrell Hatton is an extremely average driver of the golf ball when it comes to distance. He does not average over 300 yards off the tee, so he could be having a little bit of, like, <laughs> small guy envy when it comes to this like mm-hmm. dude you're not a long player sure. you don't you don't always get to do this um another thing is that like the distance uh difference between the longest drivers and the shortest drivers is increasing over time so various new age courses like this one this is a, a modern design like the ways that they're going to continue testing players is going to just make it longer and longer and longer he might be correct about it only because uh, the hole typically does play into the wind, so there's a reason why he couldn't get there in two. Um, you'd think if it plays in the wind on a certain day, hey, maybe we, we allow the players to move up. But he might be correct. Like, that's the thing. He, he might be right that the best players in the world, if they hit a good tee shot, should be able to go for par fives and two. I just think that it's okay to also force them to get there in three. Where do you sit? I mean... First of all, I appreciate his him him saying this. Shout out to John Huggin. I think that uh, I think John was the one that got Tyrrell to talk a couple times this week. Quite the week for Tyrrell. <laughs> Look, I think that he's. I think there are two issues at play here. I think it could still be a bad par five, and he could also be wrong about par fives in general. Like his his point could be correct that this is yes. a bad par five, and and yet he could definitely be wrong about. Uh, you know, all par fives should be reachable. Maybe that's what so. I mean. Here's the thing: a bad par five, in my mind, and I think this is what he's explaining, is essentially all your tee shots are hitting to one spot, all your second shots are hitting to one spot, 
And then he talked about, you know, essentially turning the hole into a par three if you play it well. Yeah. So I think that's where he has a fair point. If everyone is just hitting the same two first shots, that's just two wasted shots, essentially. That's not interesting. Uh, it's not compelling. It's just whether you're executing a, a targeted layup. So I think that that's fair. But I don't, I don't really buy that. No, I mean, <laughs> it, look, it's true. I think they're basically every par five pros can go four and two i mean there's a couple that turn into really three shot holes like when they're playing pebble and and uh you know 13 at tory this coming week yeah you go deep hard time getting back t-box on 13 there really isn't the value in going for it players will go for it but it's just like riddled with bunkers short and long and that hole just shredded guys in the u.s open that was awesome yeah it speaks to exactly what we were just talking about though. Like if you have a hard setup, if the wind is up, if the course is playing longer, you risk stuff like this. You risk a guy like Tyrrell Hatton, who the tournament organizers very much want to come play their course. He's saying, well, look, maybe I won't be back. And this is a dude that won this golf tournament last year. He's a defending champion. He's, you know, playing reasonably well. I mean, God, he's just the best, though. Like, how great is this? His his line about, what did he say? You, I, I'd blow it up to oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> like, John Rahm, we only found out about that because someone happened to have their phone out at just the right time, um, which is kind of weird. I think fair. Look, he's, in, he's between the ropes. He's, you know, you can hear him. I think that that's fine. But that Haddon just says this to a reporter. I love that. Otherwise, we would just know that John Rahm kind of kept his company line about, oh, it's it's nice being in the desert. He lives in Arizona. It feels very comfortable. The course is in great shape. You know, we don't really necessarily learn what he actually thinks about it in, unless there's a surreptitious video. Tyrrell Hatton is going to tell you, like, man, blow this thing up. Yeah. Hatton is now swimming in the perfect, like, part of water where he has not gotten drowned by anybody for saying the wrong thing. But he, he kind of gets elevated by people for being a guy who, who shares what he thinks, for being a ridiculous like – his reactions are absolutely ridiculous. He's become beloved for being a hothead, um, and it hasn't extended so far to the point where he's gotten in trouble in the way that you know Billy Horschel runs a little hot in the golf course and he throws his clubs up in the air. That's kind of gotten him uh, – it's gotten people upset a little bit in a, in a slight way. People are have been rubbed wrong by Billy Horschel doing that and the ways that Billy Horschel has run hot. Hatton, he's in the perfect sweet spot. Um, so hopefully he continues to I do it. I think it's genuine. I think people are just people are just really turned off by a lack of authenticity, and I just don't think you see that with Hatton. I think I think that he gets some blowback sometimes when he, you know, when he acts like a proper fool. Um, but in general, you see that he's just so mad at himself that that's kind of where the frustration really stems yeah. from. Extremely I mean, some relatable. Of the negative self-talk from Tyrrell is just unbelievable. He's just, you know, he'll say like, "Oh, have you ever seen a worse golf shot?" And like, Tyrrell, you suck. Like the the talk coming out of him. It reminds me of a tennis player, honestly. He's just the like self-berating, and I think people see that he is clearly emotionally invested when he's playing even though he's said that you know he's totally bored by practice um but i think that 
with Tyrrell, you feel like you're getting the real thing. And I think that people connect with that. I think people are really turned off by phoniness. Tyrrell is really not a phony. Yeah. Former Drop Zone guest, too. That's right. Way back in the day. Uh, I, I deeply struggled to spell, to say his name. I kept seeing uh, Terrell or, or something like that. Yeah. And if you, if you struggle... Some combination of if, Terrell Owens yeah. and... Terrell. Been watching too much Game of Thrones. Uh, all you need to know is when you cry tears, that is the beginning part of pronouncing his name. Tyrrell. 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 Tyrrell Haddon. And we've got two R's and two L's in that first name. All right. Just if you're wondering <laughs> if you should add an extra letter, bring it on. Let's move on to your news of the week. To whatever I'm going to say. Sean, do you remember that big kerfuffle in the summer of 2020 mm. when uh, Mr. Mister Strawman, maybe as it turned out, logged onto Twitter and said that he is a four handicap expected that he could probably contend <laughs> and most likely win on the LPGA. <laughs> and look, this is sort of like the golf hoodie thing where uh, someone says something stupid and everyone just piles on. So I want to be clear that that's not exactly what I'm doing here. I'm not saying that everyone in the world has, has been thinking, oh man, these four handicaps could really run the LPGA if they're you know men and can hit the ball further. But there's a fair amount of dismissiveness when it comes to the LPGA. If you spend any time on the internet writing about women's golf, reading about it, reading comment sections, etc., there's a lot of tough guys that think that, you know, since they're a scratch golfer, they could contend. They could hang with Daniel Kang, Nelly Korda, etc. And we don't usually get to stress test this. We don't get a double blind it's study. A we don't get we don't. <laughs> a direct A to B. Yeah, no, it is good. Like, uh, we don't need we don't need to know exactly where the line is of you know X mini tour pro falls in this position on the LPGA. But I don't think we really need that. But I think there is some value in remembering that these women are really, really, really good. And this week was really good for that. The Hilton Vacations Tournament of Champions. So this is one of those events where there are celebrities playing alongside. Uh, the LPGA pros, they're playing from the same tees. So they're playing the same golf course, same setup, same everything. The only difference is they're playing a Stableford score. So it's slightly more forgiving. They can pick up when they make double or whatever. And they, you know, there's a little bit less fear of making 10 and walking off the course. Um, but in general, it's about as good as it gets when it comes to comparing pros and amateurs. So Sean, Derek Lowe, former Red Sox legend, the sinker baller, former from Fenway hero Park. Of yours. Yeah. If you need a double play, D Loke <laughs> is the guy to get you one. Um, he won. He beat Annika Sorenstam in a playoff. Have with an epic Annika. par putt. Yeah. And uh, so he was the the low celeb, and he shot 76, 72, 75, 72. Pretty good playing. He's a scratch player. His best round was 72. Danielle Kang broke 70 every day. Yeah. She won the tournament. She beat him by 23 shots, and he was the low pro, uh, or he was the low celebrity. If you count Annika, I think she actually technically shot one stroke lower. She shot six over for the four days. 
Uh, he had an eagle, which got him an extra point in there. But there's a pretty significant gap there. Mark Mulder got a sponsor's exemption, teed it up on the PGA Tour in the Safeway Open. I think even, like, I think he shot 75, 74, like, played all right there. This week, he shot 77, 74, 80, 75. He finished in third place. He shot 18 over. Hell yeah. So he finished essentially second of the celebrity amateurs. He lost to Daniel Kang by 34 shots over four rounds. And this dude is good, and he pounds it, and he hits it hard. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. Marty Fish, a really, really good golfer. Plus three handicap. He's played some mini tour events. He's he's like, you know, he's done this whole celebrity circuit. He's won that American Century Championship where mm-hmm. all the celebrities play in Lake Tahoe. Plus three handicap. He shot 81, 70, 73, 82. He was the only celebrity to post a single score under par he had one round of 70 and he still shot however many over par like 20 over par john smoltz final guy i promise i won't list the whole leaderboard here john smoltz (laughs) has been playing on the pga tour champions he shot 18 over over four rounds you get the point yes they beat a couple people they beat michelle Wee, who you know has just not been playing very much golf and played one good round and then wound up at maybe 20 over but for the most part, more than half the field was under par. Uh, anyone in contention was double digits under par. Danielle Kang wound up 16 under par. These pros were raving about the LPGA players. Even Derek Lowe, who won, he was playing with Nelly Corda, said most of the time Nelly hits it past him. I Is there a counterpoint here, Sean? No. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm just kind of going on a diatribe, but I, I, I thought this was really interesting, yeah. and I wanted no, people to No, there's no counterpoint. The only point that needs to be made is that I truly ask all Drop Zone listeners to keep this in the back of their mind, not necessarily for them, because I trust them. They're smart listeners. They're good podcast listeners. They choose to listen to us, these reasoned golf journalists. <laughs> but for all of their foursome buddies, for all of their golf friends who occasionally say very stupid things on the golf course or off the golf course when they're watching golf on TV, whenever one of your golf friends brings this up and thinks, you know what, I can, I can give Gabby Lopez a run. She hasn't hit the ball that far. Please stop. Mm-hmm. Please stop them. Tell them that they're stupid. refer them to this podcast, refer them to an article that uh, is posted on golf.com. Yeah. Maybe refer them to leave a a five-star rating and review while they're at it. And just remind them, uh, remind them of this. So I recently had a a conversation with JJ Redick, uh, basketball three point shooting aficionado, new, new new avid golfer for, uh, for JJ JJ. to be able to, and JJ reminded me of this. He has said in his uh, recent, like, avid pursuit of golf that he thinks about, when he thinks of pro golfers, he thinks about what Brian Scalabrini said, another one of your former heroes. Mm. Oh, you are speaking my language here, Brian Scalabrini said to someone who tried playing pickup against him, he said, I, he's like, I am, like, almost 40, I'm white and slow, And I am way closer to LeBron than you are to me. And JJ (laughs) said that when he thinks about Colin Morikawa, Adam Scott, Lydia Ko, the best golfers in the world, he said that uh, the Corn Fairy Tour players are way closer to Colin Morikawa, Adam Scott, Lydia Ko 
than they are than scratch players are to them. So I'm just trying to like emphasize mm-hmm. that being scratch is is great. I'm so happy for you that you are a scratch golfer. There are so many infinite layers between the scratch golfer and the pro golfer, and then the good pro golfer and the great pro golfer, and then the great pro golfer and the person who wins tournaments. Dylan, you know this really well, personally. This is a, this is something. There's <laughs> levels to it, John. Yeah. It's like the Richter scale. The more you dial it up, the more intense it you gets. You and I here. spent the weekend, every single day, texting our friend Martin Trainer. Martin Trainer played his second best tournament of his last 12 months of his life this week, and he finished. What he, he finished T55 because there's a huge gap. I love him, but there's a huge gap between Martin Trainer. And guys like Hudson Swaffer, who have won three times on the PGA Tour. <laughs> that is not the name I thought you were going to pull, but you're still correct. Yeah, well, you know, John Rahm, another guy who was like not even totally in contention this week. There's a gap that's mm-hmm. ma- massive between Martin and him. And Martin is making a living on the PGA Tour. And then there's a lot of people who are not as good as Martin. And then there's you. And then there's a lot of people between you and a scratch. Mm-hmm. So... This we can true. say it a lot of different ways. In fairness ways. to your Hudson comparison, there were a whole bunch of names in contention this week that were going to move the needle even yes. less. Lee Hodges, <laughs> shout out. Paul Barjon, um, not a star-studded leaderboard, but great to see Frankie Molinari on the leaderboard, by the it way. It is great to see Frankie. I actually spoke with him last week in person. What'd you learn? We just talked about um, what kind of books he likes. He, you know, he di- he dives into biographies. He really likes biographies and autobiographies, reading and learning about people. He's not a fiction guy; doesn't really dabble in fiction. Is he as uh, is he as efficient with his language as it seems like he would be? He has gotten, I think, a little bit more uh, lengthy in in his explanations of things. I think he's I think he's gotten okay. better at 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 speaking English, uh, which is great and impressive. Uh, he lives in L.A. now, so. He said that he's he's gotten used to that and has really you know it just helps so much for travel wise. So yeah, Frankie Frankie could have a comeback season. I would love to see that. Not much would make me happier. Um, to to put a bow on that point though, Sean, I think you're exactly right. The next time someone brings this up, someone will at some point. You're going to be sitting around. You will have just finished uh, playing golf. You're going to be you know opening up a can of suds at your 19th hole. The LPGA is going to be on the TV. Someone's going to say something ignorant. You're going to say, guys, let's have a group <laughs> listening of the drop zone. Episode you know three, 2022. When it'll happen. It'll happen when your buddy shoots 70. Oh. Your buddy will career it. He'll shoot 70 on some like podunk 6,400-yard track in Florida. He'll have not lost a ball all day. He'll have made everything he looked at. And he'll think, I'm capable of shooting 68. I'm clearly capable of shooting 68 three times in a row, and I'm clearly capable of doing it on a tournament professional level setup. And all you got to do is just smack him across the face, totally. <laughs> point him to the work that me and Dylan have done here and the work <laughs> that we've done on golf.com. Uh, anything else we need to get to this week? I mean, shout out to Daniel Kang for throwing down that 16 under. Uh, when everyone else was fading on the LPGA today, she made – maybe six birdies and eight holes, something like that in the middle of her round to go from a couple back to up by three or four. She wound up winning by three. Uh, Nellie Corda looks very cold when she 
is playing in cold weather, she just she just looks extremely chilly. And she said after the round actually that like she do you blame her? That. That's my question for you. You've you've been bringing this up all week. And you're like, gosh, she looks so cold. She looks very. cold. She is cold. Yeah, it cold. is cold. Well, and everyone else doesn't look cold. She's like, she she hits a putt and then before she marks her ball, she throws on the parka. I mean, it's like a no. Okay. I, look, I get cold hands. And uh, so I can relate as someone that's, you know, looking into QB pouch style solutions on the golf course. Like, I get it. It's but it's hard to it's hard to play well when you're freezing. All right. Shout out to Danielle Kang. Shout out to Hudson Swafford. Hey, Didn't you know what? I've got, a, I've got a solution for that, Dylan. Yeah. Bring this tournament to Hawaii. Mm. Bring this hit and giggle celebrity infused music blaring in the background on 18 LPGA tour season beginning, bring it to Hawaii where it's amazing year round, but also right now. And you know what? Bring it where the PGA tour starts its season. I don't like, this has kind of been a take that's been circling on golf Twitter, maybe for the last couple of weeks. If we are desperate for a, uh, men's and women's event to be played at the same time, maybe at the same course at the same, you know, not different tees, obviously. If we're desperate for that, which I think we are, a co-sanctioned event between the PGA Tour and LPGA Tour, combine the beginning season like events in which they invite just the winners, the the Century Tournament of Champions. I mean, this is this was the LPGA's version of that. Only a couple weeks later, they chose to do it in Florida, which is not very predictable in terms of weather in January and February. Bring it to Hawaii, where it's gorgeous. You have basically a 30 person field on each side. They can play the same course. You can have celebrities. If you need to, you can have multiple sponsors. That's what I was going to say. Will, will Larry, the cable guy get invited? I don't care. And how do these, (laughs) how do these celebrities find so much time to play? I mean, some of these, some of these people must play 15 pro-ams a year. Yeah. It's wild. This is a full week commitment too. This in the American Century. Yeah, nothing else. To there's do. a couple of them. I'm like, in the Pebble Beach. It's like these dudes are playing like two, three months of competitive. It's the, golf it's the perfect. Year. Larry Fitzgerald. Well, he'll be there. Yeah, it's the perfect circuit for people who were famous five years ago. People who were doing important work five years ago. Fitz, obviously. Uh, Kevin from the Office was doing important work yeah. ten years ago. I think five could be generous. <laughs> it's it's like the. 2004 Cy Young race is like the, that's the circuit here. Alfonso Ribeiro. What has he done? He, he hosts uh, America's Funniest Home Videos, which you haven't watched in years. He's just like no. cashing AFD. checks off of Fresh Prince days. And he's, he's getting a lot of, I lot respect of free it. golfing. Look, I mean, yeah, he's got his handicap down to like a two. He, he lost by about 50 this week. All right. We need to. That's the full circle. Let's put a bow on this. It's been 36 minutes of me and Dylan. Hopefully, you learned something today about golf course setups on the PGA Tour, the European Tour, and hopefully, you learned that no, you cannot hang with LPGA Tour players. So stop letting your buddies talk about it. We'll see you next week. Same here. Oh God, <laughs> I suck at signing out. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Same time, same place, same dudes. See you then.